Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. was to know your way of sabotaging yourself and I thought it was kind of funny because the other day I decided that I really need to start consciously sabotaging myself sabotaging the whole life that I've built um, in preparation for taking off to California for a little while And part of it's because it seems like this bipolar energy wants to destroy it. I was experiencing a lot of so-called anxiety around my job and then something else happened and that gave me more anxiety on top of the job thing. And, And I feel like that something else happening was actually to give me more anxiety in order to see that the path I was headed down wasn't good because I hadn't really been able to see that. And it also showed me some of my weaknesses. And so I have been feeling a lot of energy going through my body and some of it has been quite painful. So I can't really say that it's fun. And I also feel though that by not really labeling it bad or good, if I label it bad, it's going to make it it's going to make it worse or it's going to make it fearful. And that's when I feel like it's possible that those other fearful thoughts and associations can come in. So I've just been sitting with it in terms of the feeling of the energy of it and not really making up any stories about it so it passes and then it comes back today I went out and I got myself some EMP it's something that one has to be careful taking while taking psych meds because it can sort of make one over medicated in a way at least that's what they say especially with lithium and that's what I'm taking but I figure that since I'm I used to be taking a mineral supplement just to use it up it was like a kelp based mineral supplement and then when I ran out of that I was taking some minerals in the form of shilaji which is that black tar looking stuff and I would just put it in my yerba mate tea and I ran out of that and since then I haven't had like a multi mineral of any kind I've had I do take zinc and magnesium but I haven't had a broad spectrum supplement 
And they're in pretty small doses. But since I've been experiencing so-called symptoms, then I would think that my medication isn't really quite working to its full degree because the stress I've experienced is extra stress. So that's why I'm going to take this just one a day. I also had to research today psych wards in California to be prepared if that happens when I'm in California. And it would probably cost me close to 10 grand. So I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. But at the same time, I don't think it will. So I'm willing to take that risk. And I was wanting to drive down there in my old car, but my family is really not liking that idea because it'll be winter time. So I have to figure out if I'll just take a train or a plane and try and get a car down there or something because I don't really want to be in the sort of secluded area I'll be in without a car. Today I also took back my sharps container. I had a big container of used syringes because I used to inject B12 until I found out that that wasn't the best kind of B12 for me. My naturopath, I did that DNA test through 23andMe, and he told me to take the other kind of B12, which is hydroxy B12, for me specifically. Everybody's individual, of course. So it's really interesting to me whenever I think I'm doing something good for myself, but it turns out that I'm really not. And I think, though, that at the same time, there's somewhat of a placebo effect of if I'm doing something good for myself, or at least I think I am, then maybe it does some good, because at least I'm attempting to care about myself. And the placebo, I feel a lot of it is actually the underlying gesture of love and caring that is what causes the positive change, not necessarily what is in the pill or what is done in surgery. So. If there was any kind of bad effect from actually doing that to myself, it's possible it was partly negated by the fact that I thought I was doing something good for myself. Unlike something like smoking, one could never think that this is good for me. Unless one thinks it's good for them emotionally. Who knows, Like people might even be able to negate that. So, so yeah, I got rid of that Sharps container because I won't be injecting any more of that. So it'll be interesting to see if I feel any better than I have in the last two weeks or so on this EMP. Because that's really my goal, is to transcend the need for the mental health system. And I think it's partly been a good experience feeling this inner turmoil and, and being able to stay in order, as Tom Wooten would say because it's sort of like practicing having that turmoil and and it not getting to a point where it spirals out of control. And I was thinking about my past experience in psychosis and how when I think about it, I I look back and I say, I remember that I thought XYZ 
I thought I was being framed for murder. I thought this or that, and, and I believed those things. So there's this process of thinking something and believing it. But I feel like there's something to the fact that most people would probably say, I thought this, or I thought that. And what I'm trying to point out is that it's not about the this or the that. It's about I thought. It was just a thought. And so normally we're always thinking about stuff and we don't take it to be disorderly. We actually take it to be part of our life. And then when that process extends further outside the field of what is okay to believe, then it's called pathological. But we're believing thoughts all the time that have no relevance right now and aren't actually facts. So we take those thoughts that are classified as hallucinations or delusions and and there's something we believed. If we didn't believe them, then it wouldn't necessarily be a hallucination or delusion. It would just be a passing daydream or fantasy or, or idea or something like that. But I, I feel I talked about before that it's thought in general. It's not necessarily some thoughts are good and some thoughts are bad. It's, it's the process of thinking itself that has no real basis in reality at all. And if we knew that from the start, then maybe we wouldn't even believe our regular thoughts and then we wouldn't even really have that kind of process going that could get out of hand. And if it did, we would see, well, that's strange, like that was just a thought. And also that thought isn't love. Thought isn't part of the state of love. And Krishnamurti would say negate all of that which is not love and love will be. It's not like we can actually try to do something in order for love to be there in terms of a state of love. So I have to consciously self-sabotage myself out of the system and out of the place that I live. I listened to a talk this morning by Dr. Mercola and it was an interview he was doing with another doctor and he was talking about heart disease and heart attacks and how it has not much to do with the whole plaque thing. But he was talking about how blood flows through the body not by the pumping action of the heart, but by the fact that the walls of the arteries and capillaries and things are negatively charged and then the blood is positively charged and that difference in charge is actually what creates most of the whole flow of the blood. And he said what actually charges the vessels of the blood are sunlight and earthing or contact with the earth as well as human touch. So putting hands on somebody else 
And I thought that was really interesting because I have studied before how earthing is really good because we absorb electrons through our feet. And the electrons are used preferentially as antioxidants as well in redox reactions. So that's how the body detoxifies things. So this is another level of the importance of that in that we absorb the electrons and that helps to charge our blood vessels in order for blood to flow properly. And I was wondering in terms of mental health, like can, can blood properly even get to the brain and through the brain and everything if we don't have the proper charge in our body, if we don't have electrons from the sun and from the earth And it could have something to do with the whole seasonal affect disorder thing too. I remember a time years ago I was, I had this chronic fatigue like syndrome thing and I felt really terrible and, and then I went to California for a weekend or something and I felt almost normal there and it could have been just being connected to the earth and getting a lot of sunshine that it helps the blood move in the body. So I would have to do a lot more reading on that topic to really understand it fully, but I feel like it also applies globally in terms of how we're damming up all the rivers, and the rivers are like the capillaries of the earth. And water flow is what sort of circulates electrons as well, so we're doing it on a global scale and we're doing it to ourselves just on an individual level as well. And I was thinking, well, this gives me even more reason to go to California because there's sun there and, and I can go barefoot, whereas right now here there's snow on the ground. And I was thinking about the term projection because I was thinking about the mind screen and how our mind screen isn't blank and we're sort of superimposing our own projections over that and I think that's part of the whole laser light of our eye process it's not actually empty it's not silent our eyes aren't silent so we're projecting our words outwards as well and we don't even really know it because we can't see that we're doing it but we are doing it and we often hear about things like having a silent mind. And I just wonder if we can have silent eyes. Are we looking with silent eyes? That makes it a little bit perhaps easier to grasp. Like when I look at this box on the floor, is it? am I looking with all this noisy words coming out of my eyes? Or am I letting that come to me because if my eyes are silent that information can come to me and sort of tell me a story whereas if I'm putting my story onto things then that's preventing me from really seeing and I feel the process of map consciousness is trying to get brains to think with other brains and that's why the experience is very similar a lot of the time 
And it's trying to get universes to think together because we're each a separate universe. I came across this video of me skating on rollerblades when I was in Mania the very first time and I could skate in ways that I'd never skated before. I'd never thought to skate that way. I didn't even know I could skate that way. And so I was thinking that that mania is actually closer to our innate ability that we don't even know we have because we've probably never even thought to try to do that. So I, part of it is that we get more creative with ourselves. We become creative with ourself. And it just makes me think of that saying, I am what I was looking for. And how can we find ourselves in that way if we're always talking about something else in our own mind? We're not receiving ourselves with emptiness and wonder, we're actually receiving ourselves with chatter. And then we think we are that chatter, and then when the chatter gets out of control one day in terms of something like so-called psychosis, then we think we're crazy when maybe we're a little bit crazy to begin with because we're busy chattering about stuff that has nothing to do with anything. And mania makes us way more sensitive to nature. When we're not chattering about abstractions, we're more sensitive to nature. And in that state, it feels like nature talks to us and our own nature talks to us as well. We're hearing words of our own nature by being fully engaged. And map consciousness is like wandering consciousness. And it could perhaps wander more when we're in such a habitual routine. It eventually could wander off on us. And sometimes that happens if we do actually go on a trip or something because we come back to this habitual routine and our consciousness decides it wants to continue to wander like we were wandering physically. In my earlier videos I was talking more about embodied mania and that's part of this self-sabotage process is embodying mania and getting back to that happiness for no reason, that joy for no reason. Can I have that joy for no reason without the reason of mania, without that actual energy there? If that energy can come and take me over, then can I create that without having to wait for it to take me over at a time when that's not helpful? Can I design my life in such a way that I can welcome that energy and it won't really affect my life because my life is in alignment with that energy, not in alignment with, with contrived habit and routine. And I don't know if it's possible, but no amount of real planning will bring that about. It has to be done by sabotaging things. What if the story of my life was 
in such a way that my brain doesn't have to make up stories about other things as in so-called hallucinations and delusions because I'm not stuck in habitual thought patterns or, or traumatic thought patterns that the brain is trying to get me to see outside of even if it's not really congruent with reality that's the whole point if it was congruent with reality it would just be reality habit and routine aren't love thought is not love definitely had no habits or routines when I was in mania that time People are trying to stay consistent with a bundle of thoughts and words in one's own mind that one takes to be oneself. And these hallucinations and delusions actually are trying to break us out of that habit, out of that routine. Maybe that's one of the main things it's trying to do is break habit and routine. It's not necessarily trying to like transport us to some better reality mm -hmm. or some terrifying hell, but just breaking us out of the habit and routine of thought that we're in and it creates us to act in different ways and some of them we might not like if we again try to superimpose our, our thought structures and our preferences on it but it's still definitely breaking us out of habit and routine unfortunately it, it often puts us in a paradigm of being medicalized because of that but why are we not comfortable with less habit and routine and a lot of it's to do with functionality this could be actually really important because the world is moving towards more and more mechanization of things that don't require humans to do like factory workers and and even bank tellers there's less and less banks, actual locations needed. So there's so many of these jobs that are going to be eliminated and and they keep talking about how a person has to be creative and and full of ideas and all these things that are very hard to mechanize. And it's interesting because the energy of mania creates a human being that ex is exactly what is needed in terms of a non-mechanical human being who's very creative and all of these capacities that one has it's pretty much how the new human being has to be and we go into that state as a reaction to being so mechanized and turned into just a, a habit a, just a machine basically and so we break out of the machinery of thought into this creative thought and and then the whole machine of society wants to dampen that energy that's that's going through people and and it could be seen as something that it's completely necessary and that's actually what I was talking about with harvest one's mania is that perhaps one day most people will be like that because 
we won't actually condition people into robots in the first place, which is what happens through education and family systems. Because a lot of what happens in mania is breaking away from all one's past conditioning. And it doesn't mean that everybody in mania is the same. Everybody is uniquely themselves and they're actually very different from each other, but they have these similar capacities. So I just think it's really interesting that they talk about, oh, we need these creative people, or that's how people are going to have to be if they're going to survive, because there's not going to be these sort of jobs that are out there right now for people. And so, and even if it got to a point where the people that aren't creative could still live, like they were fed and they were clothed and all that, they could still live, but they wouldn't have any kind of job. But society took care of them. Probably 1% of people would be all creative, and then the rest would be taken care of. But then what would be the point of life if somebody doesn't have any meaning or purpose? It could be the meaning of life to actually embody one's mania, to get in alignment with that energy that is the creative force through us. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.